Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are you troubled by stale podcasts in the middle of the night? Do you love films that feature the busting of spooks, specters, or ghosts? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Ghostbusters Resurrection is an RPG audio drama combining tabletop gaming and cinematic paranormal elimination adventures. Call the professionals at nerdyshow.com slash ghostbusters. We're ready to believe you. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat Tavera here, and we are back, back, back again with another microsode for your earlobes. I don't know. That just sounded odd, but I like it, and I'm going with it. We are back <laughs> to talk about a topic that is, uh, as as Pride Month is drawing to an end, I think when this episode comes out, Pride Month will be uh, over by just a couple of days, but it is Pride Month 365, 24-7 for us here in the flame on recording booths across the states so we decided let's talk about this topic and let's do it up and let's uh continue the the queer shit that we talk about (laughs) on our podcasts i am being joined on the east coast by bj what's up and on the west coast in the uh sweltering uh pacific northwest everybody talks about it being gloomy and rainy all the time apparently they forgot that climate change would also make it 14 million degrees at all times this week. Brian is coming to us from Seattle. Oh, <laughs> you, you thought you got away, didn't you? You, th- you thought you were go- you got away scot-free. So here's my theory. When I was thinking about moving out here, I was like, you know, I probably have a, co- a few good years of like that lovely, gloomy, cold weather. And then climate change will catch up to me. But what I was not prepared for was scarcely a year and a half later <laughs> that that would come crashing down. Uh, yeah. And this thing is so crazy because we have 100 degree weather. That's not unheard of in other parts of the country. But what is different, people here don't have air conditioning. 
They don't need it most of the year. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, man. 90 degrees in this house, and my dog is sitting here sweating and panting like a, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, even in the Pacific Northwest, I'd still be the bitch that's got an air conditioner. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't like being I, warm, period. I ordered one, not like, I don't know, a week ago. Cause I was on travel and I found this out that when I was, you know, coming back, it was going to be hot. They're back ordered. Like and they keep pushing the date back further and further, yep. <laughs> but I am not canceling that order. I will get that air conditioner. It is coming. Oh, uh, I was going to say you like all of the supply shortages, like it's the worst combination. Cause you had the whole thing with Texas and then you can imagine what kind of like shortage that created. And then you had COVID and, Oh yeah, no. This like hit at the absolute worst possible moment. Yeah, let's let's just not get into the supply chain issue. That's a whole other topic for another day. <laughs> That's a different micro for a different day. But we Where are, are my gonna... poppers. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we are going to discuss on this episode. We're going to talk about pride. We're going to talk about kink. We're going to talk about um, the LGBTQIA plus 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 community and uh, the topics that have been going around every year as it happens. The online community uh, has this conversation about no kink at pride and how kink is for everybody and it should be child friendly and that there should not be homosexuals and the lot just free fucking in the streets. I still would like to know what Pride Festival these people have gone to because I would like right. to go to that one. <laughs> but you, you did say kink is for everyone and including kids. I think you meant Pride. I'm just going to say that for your own benefit. I am going to keep that edit the way that it is. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. Or, I, or I was I gonna say, sure I'm getting canceled at some point during this episode, so no the worry. Goal of this episode, I think, is for all of us to get canceled. That's easy. I think. Yeah. I think. I think you just found our next soundbite right there. <laughs> I think you just for everyone, including children. <laughs> I think you found our next. My next uh, text text uh, notification. I love it. I love it. But yes, uh, the the pride is for everybody. It should be kid friendly. It should be family friendly. This is a topic. Um, that for the last, at least for the last few years that I've known, it has been a big uh, Twitter topic. I think that this conversation has happened longer than that, but it really has been prevalent with um, the Twitter conversation surrounding it. And then a lot of people basically firing back and uh, having a counterpoint to that. So we're going to discuss the topic. We're going to give our opinions and our thoughts and give our look at what pride looks like, what we think it should look like and have some conversations around that. So Brian, why don't you kick us off? Not about uh, a child kink <laughs> abilities or all of that, <laughs> but about uh, this topic about kink being at pride and what pride means it should stand for and all of that. So why don't you kick us off with your thoughts first? So I think somebody recently kind of helped me see this a little differently um, in, in some ways. 
uh, actually it's uh, Franzia Kafka from Media Meltdown. Um, they posted uh, he posted this thing where it was like nobody is actually having this problem. I mean, yes, there are people out there saying these things, but that is not in any way, shape, or form stopping them or keeping them from going to Pride. And if it is, they probably weren't going to Pride normally anyway. And so the idea was this issue, which has some roots that go back quite a ways, obviously, uh, with Pride specifically, and the sort of what should the atmosphere of Pride be, um, becomes kind of a false like issue that is sort of being raised by people, not necessarily just to be divisive, but also to maybe with an agenda, maybe not. So it was interesting to see that like third argument come in and sort of go, okay, well, there's the yes, kink at pride, no kink at pride. How dare you say this? How dare you say that? And then it's like, wait a minute, is there really a problem here? So I just want to put that out there as a point to consider. Now, what I will say is I have had feelings of my own at times over pride. And when I was much younger and much more, let's say, uninformed of the history of pride, I had this naive notion that, oh, of course, pride needs to be very uh, family friendly and we shouldn't be having sex in the streets and we shouldn't have leather daddies whipping their their boys down the road and we shouldn't have scantily clad dancers on floats. We should try to have this sort of cleaned up version of ourselves that was the sort of public facing element. And that was what I felt 10 plus years ago more or more. Before you, as you start uh, had more history, did you question how many people died at Stonewall? <laughs> did, exactly. Actually, here's here's the question. What one I've had to actually defend multiple times. Did you know that Stonewall was a riot? Oh my god! I mean, they were having a grand old time. So you I mean, know, it was a riot. I, oh. <laughs> I mean, if if as long as like you know a lawyer's not listening to this for future cases, I mean, I'm not upset that somebody threw a break at the police, but <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's just Stonewall wasn't the first riot of that type anyway. Like there's a lot of stuff with Stonewall that gets it's certainly a, an amazing story, but there were riots that preceded that in California and Well, similar. I mean when that anyway. when that young white boy took the lead and was oh, the geez. hero of the Stonewall story. <laughs> oh what, that that movie was wrong? <laughs> he wasn't the one that, that that threw the first break. I want you to know I was sitting in traffic and somebody was on like a podcast talking about that movie like like no yeah there's a there's like a documentary on it and then like the other people on the podcast were correcting him but I was already like screaming at the top of my lungs and the people in the cars next to me totally heard me like like fuck <laughs> Oh yeah yeah <laughs> But this is like, where I wish I had the soundbite of Willem saying no one died at Stonewall and, oh. and put that there. Because if, if just for our listening audience, if you don't know what my reference was about the number of people who died at Stonewall, there was a queer like drag queen um, Stonewall like sit down that they did. And I think it was mm-hmm. for YouTube and Derek Barry and Willem were two of the panelists. And uh, I think they asked Derek Barry about like if she knew what happened at Stonewall or something along those lines. And she talked about, oh, yeah, the people who died at Stonewall. And Willem it cuts right in and goes, no one died at Stonewall. <laughs> and it just became this thing. And it's a long-running joke with uh, when it comes down to Stonewall. So I just I, I, I wanted to explain that real quick. <laughs> I applaud any energetic person 
who finds a cause and they want to champion that cause for the best reasons. And so it's hard for me then to come back around and be like, honey, your sweetie child, like you come down as like, like that avuncular or parental, whatever. And, and mansplain and, you know, and you know, whatever, like, like explain that that is wrong and that they are, let's just say misguided in their, in their facts. And that's unfortunate because they have such passion and they have such drive. And I just wish the culture right now was a little bit better at having those teachable moments, if you will, (laughs) instead of getting straight to the, you just said something that I don't agree with. Therefore you're canceled and I hate you or 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 permutations thereof. And I'm not defending anyone with like really controversial opinions or actions. I'm just saying dialogue is important. And I think the point of this having this episode and talking about it is to have a dialogue. And unfortunately, I don't think any of us are actually <laughs> opposed to each other's opinions. I think we're all pretty much on the same page. Which this is, is very interesting. This is a one-sided dialogue. Well, well yeah. no, and that's... And and it was funny because before before we were talking about doing this episode, you know, Brian was like, "How about we do Kick at Pride?" And I'm like, "But that's not actually the issue." And I was, I was, you know, there was this thing, and I was like, "It's a part of the issue," which is why I was like, "No, we'll just talk about all of it because that that's perfect. It's the perfect jumping off point for a lot of things yeah. that need it's to the change." Gateway drug into the conversation we need to have. Exactly. Which is and, the larger issue is what does belong at Pride? What does pride mean as a festival and what will it mean going forward into the future? Because does the original first pride that happened after Stonewall in New York, is that something that we need to do over and over and over again in perpetuity? Or is there a point where we say, all right, pride can evolve from this to something else? And that's the underlying question that really should be discussed. And and honestly, and I told I was talking to a friend of mine about it because I was I was just trying to get a feel of like because I mean you go on YouTube and as you were saying like there, there's not much of a dialogue and what's hilarious is that like some of the di- the dialogues are happening separately, um. But what's what was hilarious to me was the fact that it it. To me, it's like a weird it's we have a framework in our heads of like we have to have a reaction immediately. We have to either you have to immediately something has to be removed or something has has to be taken away in order for something to be quote unquote acceptable. And it's and I've been doing a lot of introspective on like my feelings on religion because I realized whenever I step foot in a church, I dissociate immediately. Um so it's one of those things where I realize when I was younger and I didn't know much about our history, I was, I I realized that anything that I didn't understand either mentally or psychologically or whatever immediately got filled in by whatever I learned from my parents or society. And let's let's be clear, society and my parents weren't so hip with the gays, you know, eighty percent of my life. So you gotta you gotta wonder where a lot of that comes from under the surface. Cause we've reached a point where we're going to have to, the community itself might have to do a little bit of intersectionality work to actually like uncover things to kind of evolve and move forward. Absolutely. And I wanted to circle back to this after you guys have talked a little bit in relation to your point, Brian, about, 
this conversation happening, but it not really being like an actual conversation. It's more of a social media type of movement. And this is something that I wanted to bring up. And it's a, it's a thread uh, from Michael Pulowski uh, at Mike 10010100 on Twitter. And it's, the tweet says, just a reminder to everyone that if you see this image, it's literally from a 4chan thread on Operation Pridefall, a yearly operation whereby right-wing channers fight against LGBTQ plus degeneracy, in quotes. Um, and it's like these kids, this little girl with a, a rainbow pride flag and a group of pups that are there. And that was something that really kind of hit me because... There are so many disinformation campaigns. Look at the 2016 election. Look at the last four years. Look at everything that is being pumped out via social media because it's anonymous. Because you can set up bots and you can set up these um, these farms, essentially, of fake accounts to put all this information out there or disinformation and try to rile up people and the conservatives. And the conservatives will cling on to anything like that because... A lot of what they were talking about, the the fucking in the streets. I want to know what festival that is because, <laughs> honestly, your like, standard pride festivals, that's not happening. Yes, you may see person in a harness or you may see guys in pup hoods or, or, or people in pup hoods, I should say. But unless you're going to like a Dory Alley or a Folsom where those are strictly intended to be adult-themed celebrations i won't even call them pride celebrations i know that they they are a, a fetish and a kink pride type of event but they're not li listed and labeled as such they are fetish events that you go to it's like saying that mal or iml are pride festivals that families should be able to go to that's not what it's intended for that's not what it's meant for those are 21 and up or 18 and up whatever the the you know their requirements are but those have age restrictions because they are fetish events. And a lot of times when you see these conversations happen, there's a lot of gross things that are just spit out on social media because there is no accountability and you don't know if these accounts are even real. So yeah. when you have these conversations, quote unquote conversations, you know, you're not really talking to somebody that has that point of view it's a, a twitter bot farm that's putting this stuff out there in order to rile up people that are against the lgbt community so to have these conversations continually come up and for this to be a thing it really starts to get taxing and tiring because this isn't a conversation that we're having so i just wanted to throw that out there as well to uh in case people didn't have that mindset or didn't really think about that when i when i saw that that was kind of an aha moment because i sat there and said oh shit like is this really a conversation we're having again but to be put into that perspective i said okay that's exactly why this keeps coming up over and over and over again and and uh just for context for everybody there like what prides have i i know i've mostly only gone to orlando i've been to saint pete once and atlanta once what other prides have you guys gone to I've been to Washington, D.C.'s Pride, St. Pete, Orlando, and I feel like one more. 
Yeah, it's, I think it's, I, there's got to be one more, but I can't think of what it is. I did New York City Pride, Orlando's, and St. Pete's. I don't think I've done any other ones. I And now, technically, as of this past weekend, I did uh, Pride North in Chicago, which is a smaller street festival. And we'll have um, our parade is shifted to October this year. So I will get to kind of see the actual Chicago Pride Parade this year uh, in, oh, in a couple of months. The Seattle's doing something similar for theirs as well. But I was actually so Baltimore I've seen in person as well. And then um, virtual pride, Seattle, again, they've done virtual pride this and last year. So I've that's a different thing, of course. But um, yeah, so I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure there were people fucking at that pride. from the comfort of their own homes (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) but it is interesting because you see a lot of the different flavors of pride at these different cities and some are very commercialized in fact i know vegas pride specifically is like one of the worst so much so that they were like they were like charging admission for certain like you know some do to offset the entertainment costs and whatever but like really drove that direction. Whereas like a Baltimore pride for one, totally the other, like no commercial, anything, all local bars, all whatever. It's kind of like what I remember. I think Orlando's always kind of been somewhere in between, but leaning towards commercial. But I remember it's always a lot of bars and then you'll have a few corporate partners. I think the first year I went and then like over time, I think it shifted more and more towards a, corporate and nonprofit, and then they have like a kids area the last yeah. you know however many they've uh, actually since i was well, since i first started going and i lived in orlando for a couple years before i actually started going to pride um because it's it's one of those things that i'm still kind of experimenting with um just because i'm not a huge like crowded cr- i'm not a crowd person so it's one of those things like every time somebody shows me like a circuit party i'm like gross um <laughs> So, but with Orlando's, that's the one I'm most familiar with. It's, and, and it's interesting because it's, it's commercialized in a way that actually fits like all of, all of these people that are like, what about the children? All all those arguments. We have a Disney play area for all of the kids of, you know, uh, the queer families and everybody in the Alphabet Mafia with children or, you know, straight allies. Huh. Is it hosted by Nina West? <laughs> no, no, I did post that on on our uh, podcast. By the way, um, I know I need to go back and finish watching it. I started watching it on my way home on the train, but I, <laughs> I I fucking live for the fact that Nina West is like become like the 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 fairy drag mother for uh, children, and that Disney Plus did this whole fucking concert and had her host it. Like fucking amazing. <laughs> But but so with but with like the commercialization of ours, because there's even I think last year, last time I went, there was actually like a universal area there. I mean, it was he didn't have any characters or anything. And it was just like a fenced off area for people to hang out that wasn't overly crowded. Um, but you got to think about the commercialization of Pride can have that effect where once something is commercialized to a certain point, then you expect you expect like families to show up at the the um like the benson hyundai pride event you know half off cars for the for for the queer community you know sort of thing and that raises the question of how commercialized do you want your pride 
or if there's certain if you have many prides within your state and you have one that is very commercialized you know pack up the family take a little quick weekend up and you know you go to that one so it's it was interesting and that when brian was talking i was like i was like this this it's it's like a stupid problem to have that's not really a problem but it is bringing up all of these interesting topics as far as the evolution and the future of pride which i find super interesting like accessibility for disabled people because Atlanta Pride is not a lot of large city prides are not very accessible for people with disabilities. And I I had never thought about that. It never even crossed my mind. And then when I really think about it, I'm like, did I did I not see any people with disabilities at Pride? I was like, that's a problem. That's actually a major problem. Well, let's talk about other problems. So we talk about like bringing in the community and having the community involved and all that. Well, one area the community is not doing a great or the community, one area pride organizers and promoters are not doing a good job is they're not bringing in drag kings and other drag performers. They're bringing in big name drag queens, which find that the gets like bring in any loss leader type, you know, main draw. Right. But like if you're really about drag equity, if, if that's the term, I'll make it such. I don't know. Why aren't there more kings? Why aren't there more just general drag performers that aren't just the fancier, more performative queens. I mean, not to say that a king can't be performative and that shouldn't be a thing, but like bring those community people in, bring them to the table, involve them. And it's this, it's this age old struggle between what is it that you think is going to sell, right? And mm-hmm. what is it that you think you should do for the community? And this is, this is the, the game that they play. And I think a lot of pride, especially as it shifts more towards the commercial, because they need to raise the money to, to do the stuff that is when they start to make these trade-offs that then leave the community behind, you know? Yeah. And, and it was, and I was chatting and then I had a friend who was, you know, he was, he was like, I'm very much on the fence about, you know, um, uh, can't get pride. And, and I don't know about that. And, and I was, and I was just like, well, what do you think kink is? And he was just like, Oh, it's a form of sex. And I was like, and full stop. I was like, not all kinks actually do you don't do sex in some kinks some kinks could lead up to that and most often they do lead up to that but i know a lot of asexual people that are kinky you know with with their partners because they enjoy they enjoy the that they enjoy that aspect of it and then you know they're just like what do you need me to do to help you finish baby you know it's one of those things so it's i told him i'm like when you really think about it you 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 start you start the process of removal, which, like I said, our society absolutely has a our society has a kink for removal, um, and you start removing actual people from the community, and I'm like, that that seems counter counterproductive, you know, and and that's and then I never thought I'd ever be like that. Then then we start editing our own history from there because we've seen it happen where. I mean, hell, we're seeing it happen now with people editing his, the histories being like, oh, well, no, the 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 presidential election, that was totally rigged. And people are going to stick by that. And there will be people growing up years from now that will still believe it. And so when you it's a dangerous game playing this sort of removal aspect. And and I was and another time I was screaming in the car, I was like, pride is a month long. It's a fucking month long so you're telling me nobody can plan more stuff 
There's no possible way we can plan more things. And in my head, I'm like, that's the answer to, to 90% of a lot of the, the discourse is, I use quotations for those of you in podcast land. I sometimes forget we're doing a podcast. Um, Podcasting is a visual medium. <laughs> but that's honestly, a lot of the answer to some of this is more inclusion, more education, you know, and I, and, and my heart for like, for a split second, the what about the children moment got to me where I realized, oh, what about the teenagers? I was like, that's a simple fix. You have like a tent or a part of the parade just for, I think there is a part of the parade for most gay teens now. I know we have a, uh, was it the glad section um, with the parents, the parents of gay children? P-flag. P-flag. Yeah, we have a P-flag section in our parade, like right at the beginning. And I'm always floored by how many, how many like teens and young adults are in there. So there are, there are lots of fixes to this, but like Brian said, like the idea that like the drag, the drag king uh, part of the community or the drag king community isn't as included that that's a concern. That is my concern is when we we start editing like larger chunks of our community like I didn't know what a drag king was till I was in college. And I felt that was criminal because the first drag queen king I ever saw, I was like, that dude's hot. And then somebody was like, that's drag king. And I was like, what? That's a thing. <laughs> so my first, my first weird subtle crisis of gender in my head where I'm like, uh Oh, I'm like, gender's a construct. Remember that. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, that was one of the things in between my, my rants before this podcast, I was like, I was like, just do more. There's a well, seat for everybody at the table. And that's the thing. I mean, the pride parade in most cities, that's one thing. And when we talk about having more family stuff or doing stuff, you know, that's family friendly or doing stuff that's more kink related or that's more adult themed, that's what like other events that are part of the that are offshoots for a pride celebration are for why are we talking about having to condense this down into one five-hour parade because you know most cities are fucking five-hour parade (laughs) new york i think is like seven hours it was on hulu i got a hulu notification i was like watch the new york city pride parade and there was a part of me that was like i should turn it on so i can feel like i'm part of this and then i remembered i don't want to sit here for seven hours and watch this fucking parade go by because the one time I and I grew up in New York, the one time I went to the New York City Pride Parade, we watched it for maybe an hour, and then we're like, "If I hear Madonna's, um, it was either okay. This is gonna date me as far as when I went to this parade. It was either hung up or four minutes. I think it was hung up. I think that was Madonna's big song at the moment, oh, and no. like every other float was it was all they were playing, and I was just like, can can we go now? Because I, I can't hear hung up one more time by a float going by. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So, Brian, what are some other problems that we think should be addressed moving forward with Pride and Pride events? Well, as I talked about how pride evolves, right? Because pride should evolve. Like we don't need to do the same thing. Part of being a progressive and having sort of a, a sense of uh, not, not that being queer is progressive, but certainly being open to change, I guess, is that history does not define us. It should inform us, but it doesn't have to define us. And so the tr- traditions and rituals of 60, uh, not 60 years ago, of the 70s uh, and on, you know, we don't have to keep doing the same thing over again. Pride can evolve. And this past year is a great example of that. We had, for the first time in any concerted way, virtual prides across the country. And I think, and BJ, thinking of you to some extent, this involves so many more people in some ways that never would have gone to the in-person events, but were able to interact and reach out and network and, and be a part of this, this community in a way that they weren't able to because of whatever reason before. So like, I love the idea that virtual pride really should never disappear. Um, I don't know that that's going to be that way. I feel like it's probably going to slowly kind of fade, you know? Um, But I don't think it should. I think virtual pride should be always like part of the equation if possible. Um, oh no, I, I definitely agree with you on that, and that's actually that's a fantastic point. The 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 idea that you know, because because uh, I was I I so I went through the whole like kink group who were very much like these are our concerns with what people are 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 with the discourse, and then I actually tried to go through the discourse group, but I could really only find like uh, I could I mean I could find Twitter threads. But as far as like videos and everything and dis- and actual discussions, it's kind of, a lot of the discussions were kind of like ours, where we're, we're more or less on the same page. We all agree that pride needs to evolve and change and grow. And as far as like what the discourse goes, I there's one or two videos I saw where somebody's just like, well, I don't I don't like alcohol. I don't want to be around alcohol. And I was just like, then go to virtual pride. I'm like. I like personally, I don't like crowds and I did probably more pride event stuff like this past year than I'd ever have. I've I'd ever done. So yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Like the idea of a virtual pride is like, there's your answer right there. Like, especially well, like, if, yeah, no, go ahead, sorry. As well, especially if the, if like, like, you know, with, with, with online streaming services, sometimes you can't have, you can't film, you know, a lot of kink people all at once because there might be a community guidelines on, on the internet. So, you know, or on that streaming platform. So there's your fix there is if, you know, if somebody can stream it in real time, but also like, you know, throw up a little, you know, sensor bubble for those at home, you know, there you go. That's, and then that would be their decision to partake of that. And there yeah. you, you, again, you don't have to take anything out or anyone out. I feel like it's important to also mention, because we haven't really talked about, like, why do leather daddies and drag performers and 
whoever, why do they belong in pride? And you have to go back to, again, we talked about the history, we talked about the first Stonewall or the, the Stonewall and then the, the, the early prides. Like they were a critical part of those moments and those events. So saying to somebody who started this, you no longer belong because we've moved on. That's not the right answer. But finding a creative way to involve them, but also have these activities, like you said, like the virtual pride, um, uh, the community sort of like thinking back to Orlando, having that kids play area that's sort of separate from the where people are drinking and doing whatever, like like segregate. I'm advocating segregation <laughs> here. That's what's happening <laughs> for the children. No, but like for kids. Like if you think about how these virtual communities work, like Discord or Slack, it's channel based, and so you go into the channels. And long time ago, those of us who use this stuff for way too long, rooms, boards, whatever, groups, you know, like IRC you chats, IRC, right? You subscribe to what you want, and I'm not saying that there's a perfect way to do that in the real world. There's not, but the answer isn't don't get don't don't be involved. You shouldn't be here. The answer is. Let's find a way for them to be there and still have spaces for people who need them, safe spaces where people don't have to worry about being triggered or don't have to worry about being exposed to things that they're not ready to be exposed to. And that's the way to solve it. Um, and it's hard. It's not an easy thing. And I say all this not having ever planned a pride event at all, no background whatsoever. But I would be hard pressed to like talk to someone and be like, you know, other than that, this is like hard to do. It's unsolvable. It's not, it's not, it's not unsolvable. It's just, a. it's hard to do. And people who run prides are usually volunteers. They work for nonprofits. They're trying to make this happen on top of their day jobs. Like I get it. I get it. But that doesn't mean it can't be done. So we just need to think more about how it can be done to involve everybody. And that, and that's, and I will, like I said, I will, I will, I will carve this word into my forehead and like, Pray to the Eldritch gods to force everybody to see this word, the sky, till the end of time. But this is where intersectionality will help our community grow. This this will this will have people think in a different way because, uh, like, I had explained to my mom. My mom was just kind of like, you know, what are your like? Because we don't we don't we don't talk about specific issues. Like, cause you know, my, I'm from a weird family that just doesn't communicate. I'm sure, I'm sure nobody knows what that's like. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I had to tell her, I have to unlearn a lot of things that either she taught me or her mom taught me or my dad's dad taught me where I had to realize that, that I have a form of privilege. I'm, I'm a gay cis man. You know, I there are there are forms of privilege that I have, and not acknowledging that stunts my growth in it, in like helping my, the, my my trans brothers and sisters, my sexual brothers and sisters, all everybody in our community, because we we like we get that tunnel vision just in living our lives. We get that tunnel vision of like, oh, gay pride, you know that that's what it is, you know. And then I had to realize like, no. LGBTQI plus pride, like everybody 
deserves to be there and belongs and and belongs to be there. So it's it's definitely something that we if if we can practice that if if just one city can practice that or just if those of you listening, I know I did a hot take on intersectionality and I I got a lot of my negative feelings out as far as people not not using it. Um, but when I tell you just practicing that has helped me unearth a lot of nonsense that I do, you know, it, it made, made me a better communicator. Uh, I upset a friend the other day and just practicing those communication skills through intersectionality helped me completely deescalate the situation and we're closer for it now. So it's, it's just one of those things that I really, really think our community could use going forward. My only, and it's not even a, it's not even an op, uh, opposing view on this. We are at a a very interesting point in time where progress is being made. Intersectionality is a huge thing. It is very difficult to try to appease everyone, and this is the biggest issue I think when it comes down to it is that I don't think there's a way to make everybody happy and it's tough because you want to progress you want to evolve you want to do things and I think that if you strive to do that then you're making progress the weird thing that I've noticed, and again, this is just a, it's a very social media take on it. There are a lot of really young people out there that I think I saw somebody refer to it on Twitter as Gen Z has gone full circle and they've basically become the Puritans again. And that's where a lot of this discourse comes in from um, about like the kink shaming, about um there was this whole thing about like tearing apart this woman on tiktok because she said that she likes to watch gay porn and it became this whole thread about tearing her apart because why are you fetishizing gay men and all of it like this whole thing and it's it appears as if they are gatekeeping the lgbt community and really just pushing back against uh, the elders of the community and I look around our room and I go that's us but <laughs> no matter how much we don't want to maybe admit it but we are you know I get that somebody using the term dyke in a demeaning defamatory way is horrible but you know what every fucking pride event that I've been to Every like it, it, it's led. Every fucking parade is led by dykes on bikes, and I till the day I die, cancel me if you want to. I'm gonna fucking call them the dykes on bikes because that is what their fucking flag says. That is what they they are. That is their group. That is what they that they they do. I'm not just walking around throwing that word out, at, you know, and just whatever. But that's I'm I'm not gonna sit there and have some. 15, 16, 18 year olds tell me that I can never say that word and I can never refer to them that way. Or even just referring to a podcast. I think, I, I don't remember if it was Trixie or Willem 
was being slammed on social media because they referenced the podcast and it was like dykes on movies or like some shit like that like you know whatever it was the name of the podcast and they this this group went to town and wanting to cancel them and it's it's taking away every single bit of of progress that people our age and older because honestly like i've i've done my bits and pieces for for the community but i i haven't had to fight the same way that people that are older than me have i wasn't around you know i was just born in 81 when you had the aids epidemic systematically decimating the lgbtqia community and to turn around and try to gatekeep and push away the people that lived through that that fought through all of that you know when we talk about the pride parades and growing and evolving yes they don't necessarily have to be these rebellious riot-esque marches but in this day and age it's still transgressive to be a queer person and i'm going to use that word i don't care who out there may be offended by it if it's offensive to you don't use it but you know what i'm going to call myself a fag i'm going to call myself queer and that's my reclamation of of that and and we all have our own journey and that's i think my biggest issue with all of the social media discourse and it goes and it goes back to my original topic of not being able to make everybody happy is there is no way to make everybody happy because my journey my my story my life isn't for somebody else to play judge during execution or over what words i use if i am if it's not being done with malice it's not being done with um ill intent in a defamatory way that's I, that's my community that I'm a part of, you know, and that's, that's the toughest thing is to sit there and go, okay, let's do an event that's going to make everybody happy. And you're going to find those people that if you are trying to get 100% approval, satisfaction rating from, it's almost impossible because you're going to have that person that's going to be, well, this shouldn't be this way. This should be different. And it could be, it could be five different people saying five different things but as long as we're working towards making it more inclusive, uh, having better intersectionality of uh, of our thought process and and the people that are there, if we are working to just be better fucking people, instead of just turning around and as soon as somebody says the wrong thing, slamming them and canceling them, and this is something that we were talking about before we we started recording, discussion and the intent needs to happen. Because, you know, the right likes to jump on this whole cancel culture. Most of the left is, it's not cancel culture, it's accountability. If you say something and you mean it and it's, you know, with ill intent, then we're either going to stop supporting you, we're going to, whatever, like there are consequences for the words that you say. Free speech exists, but it the First Amendment protects you from retaliation from the government. It doesn't mean that we can't boycott. A, a brand or a product. It doesn't mean that you can't be fired by your employer for going on a racist fucking rant or a homophobic rant or a transphobic rant or any type of phobic rants that you want to go on. So having those conversations, having that education there, because the thing we were talking about was, you know, Brian joking about oral canceling him years ago and BJ saying, Oh no, I remember oral saying <laughs> I, I would never cancel him because then 
I can't have those discussions or those conversations about or, why something was wrong or something he said was wrong. And that's exactly it. <laughs> or specifically, he was he was like, I won't let him get off scot free. He's yeah. like, I'm not I'm not doing him a, a favor. And in the at the end of the day, when when you do that, when you just shut down all communication, you're you're giving them a free pass. You're giving no, them permission to just not change. No good like, can come from ostracizing anybody. Yeah. The way to fix problems, like BJ said, is communication. And the problems that we have now are related to a lack of communication depth. Because there's a lot of communication in Twitter. But there is not a lot of depth of communication. It's very much transactional bite size, hot take. It's driven by the medium itself, honestly. Mm -hmm. And you can't adjudicate, you can't really dig into a topic over Twitter. Even going back and forth, you're still losing so much information in that dialogue. The other thing is the lack of empathy. At some point, I don't know when this happened and I'm not, I'm not going to say that it's like Gen Z cause I don't think it is. I think Gen Z gets blamed for a lot and I think they've got a lot to grow cause they're Gen Z. They're the latest generation. They got time, right? But they're unfairly, I think maligned in this debate. It's kind of like the whole, all millennials uh, need trophies. Well, no, not really. And, and so similarly, all Gen Z doesn't have this opinion, but there is a, current if you will of this reactionary generational struggle that you see happening and it's i feel like a lack of empathy like people don't think that this other person i mean this is true online in general that this other person who's expressing an opinion that you don't agree with that isn't a person like you 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 other them so quickly online and forget that they're a person just like you that they have their own uh, foibles, their own uh, ups and downs, their their challenges, their struggles, and you just go up. Oh, nope, they're they're the enemy. I fight you, and that's where I think also some of this energy is coming from because we've been so combative the last four years with this sort of good versus evil, Republican versus or Democrat versus Republican, to some Republican versus Democrat, whatever. Like we've gotten so turned into this, we're gonna fight that we've lost any ability to empathize with the other side. And I think that's the moment those two things happen when you lose information and you just other people and you lose empathy, like just stop, you're done. Like just stop. You have to refocus and understand that that is not reality. It's not. And so these mediums that we use to discord, to have this discourse, it's just, they're false mediums. Social media is a false limited medium to have deep, meaningful discussions. Yeah, it's and and some of you listening might be like, well, how do I what do I do? How do I do um, just just a couple of things that um, if you depending on where you live, uh, let's just go ahead and start with kink. If you have some sort of discourse with kink, if you don't understand it, if you're worried about it, most local kink groups have free classes or free online information that will explain to you like their ethics, their consent ethics, and everything about that group. And you don't have to take place. You don't have to wear anything. You literally come with a notebook and an open mind. Um, I, I, I will forever push for Frolicon to be in every city forever 
till the end of time because I learned so much. And that that's the thing about the kink community. It is a community of education. And, and the most thing is they want, they want consent and safety for all, all everybody in the community, even everybody outside the community. So if you're, if you're still on the fence after what we've said, just seek out the information directly from them. And they are, it is one of the communities, no matter what, what's your um, sexuality or gender or whatever, you will find somebody within that community, especially at a local dungeon um, that will give you like a free class. Um, and as far as intersectionality goes, I uh, have a couple of, um, there's some little short, quick lessons on like simple things to do to practice it more. Uh, I'm going to put some of that up on our social media. And then finally, um, just with what, what uh, Brian and Pat are saying, we're not telling you to let things slide. We're not telling you to, to, to just let it go. We're telling you that when you stop all communication, nothing works. So this idea that you just have to shut it down, that won't fix anything. And that, and we have learned that from experience. I have learned that from experience. And I've even, I've, I have a falling out with a friend recently who thought I was letting, uh, you know, somebody who I felt was, uh, he was racist, but in a narcissistic way. And he thought he was being racist in a direct way. And I'm like, I can't leave him to just wallow around and be a pain in the ass for everybody else. I can't, I can't let him, I can't let him not have any accountability because you know he did a fucked up thing i'd rather let him know for the rest of his life he did a fucked up thing i will go to his wedding and be like i was like congratulations don't forget about that fucked up thing you did i'm like hey but i'll tell his spouse about the fucked up thing like that's my thing is is i know he can make a change i'm not going to expend all my energy on making him make that change, but I will be able to be there to, at the very least, hold him accountable for his actions. So at the, like I said, at the end of the day, the way you make change is by having those conversations and more, actually more bettering yourself, understanding yourself better will help you have those conversations. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's, someone's intent and like you were saying brian uh, empathy is missing but nuance is also missing in a lot of in, in all typed formats you can't i mean you could put a slash s for sarcasm but there is no nuance in written text so if you're having a conversation and you make a stupid sly joke you can have that that tone in your voice you can have that that kind of that the nuance to your your conversation and you're joking around with somebody and what it, that still can be an issue but there is more depth to what you're talking about when you're just typing it's just flat words on a screen but to bj's point with having that conversation if, if you don't know somebody's intent if somebody makes a mistake or says something that is inappropriate or wrong or uninformed if they don't realize and you just cut them off, they'll never grow and they'll never learn. If you teach somebody and they refuse to learn, 
Then you cut that motherfucker off at the knees <laughs> because they don't want to learn and they don't want to grow. And that shows you their character. What the, the test of someone's character is helping them to grow and them accepting it and or not accepting it. And whichever way it is, that is the true test of their character. So this all really just leads to what BJ and Brian have been talking about. And like we've talked about is this communication and having the empathy and talking to each other and having dialogues that need to exist and to be able to grow. If there are things that you are seeing at pride events or pride parades in your city that you see are, are not being inclusive. There is, they're missing intersectionality. They're missing parts of the community that deserve to be there and deserve to belong there. Then open up that dialogue with the pride organizers Open up that dialogue with whoever it needs to be. Make your voice heard because that's how things change. That's how things can be better for you and for all of us as a community is by having those conversations and not just sitting back and or just being a keyboard warrior and saying, oh, this this thing sucks because it sucks, but not taking the steps to try to make it better because it will never get better if we don't put in the work a lot of people there I, I ran into this guy and he was out walking his dog a, an adorable little golden doodle 22 years old i am a, an old gay man at almost 40 and the biggest thing that came out of that conversation super nice guy but i made a comment because i didn't realize he was gay i mean the golden doodle should have given it away but <laughs> his when i was like oh your family first off the fact that he didn't know what i was talking about uh, at first i was like oh okay that's just weird i didn't realize that was an outdated like description but his thing was oh i just assume everybody's gay until proven otherwise and that's the younger generation which is great that that's that can be a mindset but growing up we don't want to die. <laughs> that was we a dangerous want... game. Yeah. And that's yeah. What I said that to him. I said, I growing up, I just assume, and still to this day, I just assume everybody is straight until I find out otherwise because I don't want to be hurt or killed because I don't know about you all, but I know somebody from back in the day that was lured out via online chicanery and catfishing and was attacked and ended up being killed because he ran away and ended up running into running onto a highway and being struck by a car you know these are things that are inform our lives growing up as older queer people so it's great that that's not necessarily the same life experience that younger queer people are having but you need to have those conversations. You need to open up those dialogues. You need to to make those changes and you need to still work for more progress because we're not in a utopian society where we can all just be free and live the way that we want to. There are still a lot of places that right here in our own country, in our own backyard, that that is not the reality. So continue to make those changes and put in the fight looks different, but it's still the same fight trying to reach the same conclusion. Any last thoughts on kink pride 
where it's going or uh, just any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode, gentlemen's? Um, no, it's honestly, like I said, this, it may feel like kind of a weird, stupid internet problem, but like I said, it's kind of a good, stupid problem to have because it's raising concerns in all the areas where real change needs to happen. There, there are, like I said, there was a host of things, a host of people in our community that I didn't think had these issues and through like, you know, going through, through going through like, you know, these Fox news YouTubers, um, I was like, Oh, Oh, that's not an issue, but this is. And I feel like it helped me researching. This helped me to think about, you know, think like if I'm at a pride event and I notice somebody's having a, having trouble getting through the crowd, you know, because they're, you know, they, they have a disability or, you know, they're shorter or something. I can like actually help them navigate. Like just little things like that is it can spiral into bigger acts of change. So like I said, this is, this is, I, this is the most mature and the most sage I have ever felt in my life. <laughs> we summoned, we summoned the spirit of Sasha Valor and, <laughs> and became her, became her, her, uh, her community rangers, the Alphabet Mafia Rangers. Um, so yeah, no, it was this is great. I love it. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me in this discussion. Thank you all out there for listening. Don't forget to check us out every other week. We have new Patreon tiers that are up. Go to patreon.com forward slash flame on show. Join us at one of our new four levels that we have great perks and great new swag will be coming your way very soon. And if you'd like to join, feel free to do so. You can check us out online at flameonshow.com where you will find links to everything, including our Patreon, but also our Threadless shop, our Twitch channels, uh, where you can find us. Obviously, you're listening to us somewhere, but you can find different formats. You can find our uh, playlist of rainbow spotlight interviews that Brian does on um, some Mondays. <laughs> I know, I know his schedule is uh, changing a little bit, so they will be up there, but you can tune into his Twitch channel for those. And uh, the YouTube playlist with those interviews is up on our website. So go check them out. Go follow us on social media. Our link tree uh, link is there as well. That is a handy dandy one place. Uh it's just like the website, just in a, a compact format. So go check all of that out. Flameonshow.com. And until we meet again, Babioch. Later. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.